Welcome, everybody, to episode 74 of the True Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Jalen Mann, and in this episode, we are going to go over uh, what we saw at WWDC as well as some other stories of this week. And this week was a really busy week. We saw a lot of new products, new a lot of new phones, earbuds, and WWDC was around two weeks ago, and that was already uh, a lot to take in as well. So before we get into those stories, let's talk about today's sponsor. If you like what I'm doing on the podcast and you want to help support the show, you can do so at merch.streamelements.com slash Man, where you can buy uh, different merch like... Uh, Hoodies, shirts, mugs, uh, mouse pads, etc. over there. Um, And this will help support the show and help me keep making these episodes. So go check it out. Merch.streamelements.com slash Jalen Man. Alright, welcome back everybody. Let's just dive right into our stories because we do have a lot to talk about. So let's start it off with WWDC. Um, And the first thing Apple talks about is uh, updated iOS 15. Um, so let's start it off with some of the first features they announced, which was some new updates in FaceTime. And I really think this is a big one, especially since uh, we're all uh, like more remote nowadays, like working from home or just calling our relatives or um, friends, family more often. So I really think that Apple needed to step up their game with video conferencing. So they did update some stuff with FaceTime. So... FaceTime first, it gets updates with spatial audio. So when you're looking at a FaceTime call with multiple people, you can actually hear the um, awareness and separation between each person on the screen, which is a something a lot of people would start appreciating more um, when they do more group FaceTimes. And there's also a new feature called SharePlay, which is basically allowing you to um, share whatever you're watching from your screen uh, to the person you're calling. Um, and this could be a movie, a song, all of those, and you can just experience this thing together uh, on this call. And Messages gets an update as well, with uh, some minor updates like collages on there, being able to share photos easier um, with these collages, being able to swipe through the pictures you just sent. Um, It's kind of hard to explain through audio, but uh, if you look through Apple's website, they did post um, how this would look like on there. Um, Do Not Disturb also gets an upgrade with something called Focus. And if you don't know what Focus is, it's basically a more uh, revamped version of Do Not Disturb, um, which is redesigned, has the user in mind, and has a lot more functionality than it once did. So what Focus basically is, um, it's more of a way to really just dial in on what you're focusing on right at that specific moment, whether that be uh, sleeping, working, at school, or personal time. And you can even make your own types of focuses if you'd like to. Uh, And you can set certain notifications which can go through and block certain notifications when you're doing these specific tasks. So for example, if you are Uh, working, you probably don't want Twitter notifications or Instagram notifications pinging you all the time while you're working. So you can block those notifications in while still allowing the important ones like your loved ones being able to text you. So that's just one example of many things that you can do with Focus, which is one of the biggest updates of uh, iOS 15, which I think I'd be using 
more often, especially when I'm doing specific tasks. And there's a new feature called live text. And this basically allows you to uh, copy text from photos or doing it right from the camera app while you're taking the photo. And uh, Craig Federighi shows an example of him taking a picture of a whiteboard and being able to copy the text on there. And it, one of the one of those texts was a phone number. So he was able to press on that phone number and actually call the store right from the Photos app, which I think was a really cool feature. Um, and finding photos just gets a lot easier with iOS 15 um, because you can search for photos with t um, specific text inside the photo. Uh, for example, if you have uh, like a restaurant, when you took a picture of a restaurant and it says their name um, right there, you can search the name and be able to see the text right from that photo, which basically just allows the um, algorithm of the Photos app just to get a lot more enhanced and being able to find things uh, easier. Talking about finding things easier, there are new updates for Spotlight. Spotlight gets new updates with being able to find contacts easier as well as being able to find uh, celebrity celebrities' backgrounds and their info uh, right from Spotlight. Memories also gets a new update with more personalized um, and different songs that you can implement inside the memories themselves. Um, and if you also don't want to see specific people inside your memories, you can also just uh, block out those specific faces and um, allow certain faces that you'd want in your memories. And a wallet, wallet, the wallet app gets a new update with a new wider selection of cards that keeps um, a lot of cards, even your ID uh, in, info into your wallet app, which is going to be useful when you don't have your wallet and you want to access your ID right away from your phone. Um, if uh, you do need to show your ID, which is something that's going to be more common as we start going back to the new uh, to the old normal. Uh, Maps also gets an update with uh, new 3D mode elevations to more countries and also more details in specific buildings and uh, selected cities like uh, New York City and um, San Francisco as well as other cities as well. And there's a new AR map mode which will be, be, be able to uh, show you which way to go while you're walking through the city um, which is going to be more helpful, especially when you're in those specific cities. And also in the Photos app, when you swipe up, you usually see some photo details like where the uh, picture was taken, as well as uh, who was in the photo. But now you'll get more information about the photo, like uh, which lens you took it on, what phone you took it on, and what type of format, and how, what, how big the size of the photo is, which is something I'd like to really see in other applications as well. And I'm glad that Apple updated this because I always have to go to Google Photos to see if um, this was taken on a specific phone and what format it was taken on. After So that was basically almost all the updates that came to uh, iOS 15, but they did announce some other stuff that did relate to iOS 15 later in the event. But after this, they did talk about AirPods. So AirPods Pro transparency mode did get an update with levels of ambient modes, which is 
something that Sony headphones have been getting for quite a while and Bose headphones, many of third-party headphones that um, Apple didn't make did have these specific ambient mode levels uh, that did get added. So I'm glad that Apple did get a chance to update this specific feature since um, AirPods only had three specific modes like um, active noise cancelling, off, and transparency mode. But now you can finally adjust the amount of ambient noise you want with your earbuds or headphones and specifically choose how much you want. Siri can also read notifications now when you're wearing AirPods and can announce specific notifications that you might want or you could just turn this off uh, in, in general if you don't want to hear notifications in your ears. And AirPods do use precise location now, tracking um, what you can find right from the Find My app if you s dropped a specific uh, AirPod on the floor or um, somewhere you can't find and you're trying to look for your AirPods, Apple did enhance this feature with precise location tracking, um, just like AirTags. But I'm not sure how this works because I don't think that uh, the AirPods do have the U1 chip inside, so maybe they use some high-energy Bluetooth to do these precise location trackings. Spatial audio also comes to MacBooks as well when wearing AirPods. So if you're watching a movie on your MacBook and you want to hear that surround sound Dolby Atmos in your ears, you can do that now with spatial audio on AirPods. Alright, let's move on to iPad OS 15. iPad OS 15, I had quite a few expectations for this update, but honestly, Apple really didn't do much with this update. All they did was really widgets. They only the only big thing really was widgets and quick notes. Other than that, there were barely any updates to this iPad OS 15. And I really thought that Apple might be able to add some new, a lot of new softwares and features into this update since they did add the M1 chip to the new iPad Pros. So the first one being widgets coming to iPad on home screen. I honestly think that Apple should have done this in iPad OS 14 when they did um, when they added this to iPhone but I guess at least we're getting it right because now it's in iPad OS 15 and there are also new widgets like find my widget and a family widget as well as a game center widget that you can add on your iPad and your iPhone as well and there's a larger widget exclusive to the iPad which um, you can basically add to uh, a larger portion of the screen because the iPad's display is a lot bigger than the iPhone so I'm not surprised that Apple did make some uh, widgets geared right for the iPad itself and talking about these widgets a 2x2 um, widget takes up um, one icon per each um, kind of size that's kind of different with iPhones however so I think this is a more of a S update to most of these softwares just because Apple didn't update too many things. They just gave us small little minor updates that became a decent update, but it was not really anything groundbreaking or anything major that came with any of these updates. But 
I really think that Apple will be making something a lot better and newer coming next year at WWDC 2022. And we might even see some pro apps on iPad OS. Who knows? But we just have to wait until then. But there's also a new, new multitasking bar on the top of the iPad, um, which isn't anything new because you are able to, back in iOS 14, you're able to uh, just do those gestures, which will allow you to do specific multitasking but a lot of the a lot of the consumers did not master these um these uh gestures like three finger to swipe up um any of those so they did add something on the top of the ipad which will be able to which you'll be able to select the specific multitasking mode you would want to go in um which makes it a lot easier for people who don't know these gestures and are new to um ipad os and there's also a shelf with, which shows different layouts of multitasking, um, and this is going to be useful for people who are looking at multiple documents, whether that be uh, in Google Docs, Safari, or um, PowerPoint, any of those. You can just um, change the PowerPoint you want just from that shelf down below. And there are also more keyboard shortcuts coming to iPad, which Apple did show out. Um, it wasn't anything major, but you can now do specific shortcuts without needing to touch the display, which um, I'm willing to accept. And there's also new mentions and activity coming to notes. Uh, one of these examples is adding tags to your notes, being able to find specific notes through these tags when searching uh, for notes inside the notes app. Um, and also there is a quick note, which is an easy way to start taking notes right from the iPad or Mac. Um, and you can just start it up right from swiping down from the bottom of the display. I believe it was from the right side. You can just swipe up and be able to take a quick note without needing to switch to the notes app and uh, make a new note and start writing. And you can also build apps on iPad with Swift Playgrounds. And this is um, a feature that many developers will appreciate being able to build their apps on um, their iPad. But um, for most of us consumers, this, is, this isn't really anything major and we probably won't be even using this feature uh, in our daily lives. There's also a Translate app coming to iPad, just like how it came on iPhone in iOS 14. Now Apple is adding this uh, application to iPad um, when you want to do um, translations uh, to different languages. Also, privacy was a focus in this event. There are also some new mail privacy protection that hides IP addresses, location, and when you open your emails. There's also app privacy report, which shows when apps use your data. And audio from Siri never leaves your device because uh, Siri is now going to be processed right from the processor itself, not from the cloud. So we did see some new updates with iCloud. Um, for example, iCloud Plus, which basically gives you a whole new features uh, for the same price that you're already paying for, like privacy relay, hide my email, secure video to HomeKit, being able to add more cameras. And um, this is basically similar to a VPN, 
um, that they're adding to iCloud Plus. There's also digital recovery to save Apple ID um, when you did forget your password and you want to recover your Apple ID. It just gets a lot easier with digital recovery. And Apple did focus on health as well in this um, event, like mobility, walking steadiness um, that takes info on how you walk right from your phone or your watch that shows uh, if you're likely to fall in the next week or month or a year. It just tells you and alerts you that your walking steadiness is not uh, the greatest. And there's also more flexibility to lab results. So if you're going to a doctor's office and you want to show uh, your doctor uh, your uh, health info, you can do so right from the health app and share it to your doctor securely um, and privately. And there's also trends in the health app now that shows a summary of all your health goals that you'd want to accomplish. Um, and you can also share all these trends and health data to a doctor, like I said, securely and privately. Health sharing with loved ones also can, uh, came to um, iOS, iPadOS, and macOS. Um, and you can share your trends with your loved ones like your, for example, if you are a daughter or if you're a mom and you want to just see your loved ones, uh, how they're doing health related, then you can do so right from the health app, seeing if they're okay, uh, right from your device. And you don't have to just go to their devices to see how they're doing. You can, they can sh just share it right from their device to your device. WatchOS 8 did get really minor updates. The Breathe app turns into something called a mindfulness app and right from that mindfulness app, the breathe uh they put the breathe application right in there and there's also a new reflection mode which will be a way to reflect back on the times um of the past and just be be a little bit happier and just be mindful in general and there's a new respiratory rate which can now be accessed from watchOS 8. I think this is any of the watches that support watchOS 8 can now track your respiratory rate. And there's new workouts like Tai Chi or Pilates. Um, and you might be saying these, these uh, workouts were already in the Apple Watch. But what Apple did here was basically um, they took these specific workouts in mind and uh, took how people worked out on these uh, workouts and prioritized them based on the specific movements and optimized it for these workouts. So you'd be getting more accurate info when doing these workouts instead of just doing some random other workout that they didn't optimize for. And there's new portrait watch faces, which can add... Uh, depth to the face you can zoom in and have the time behind the person's face it's kind of weird apple did say that photos was the number one watch face on the apple watch which is quite surprising but um they did add these portraits so if you want to uh, put a portrait on as your watch face you can do so now in watch os 8 and there's also new sharing features with the apple watch like sharing gifs on apple watch and being able to uh, have better dictation and edit those dictations right from your Apple Watch as well. 
HomeKit gets a new update with Home Keys, uh, which is a feature to unlock doors on in your home. And you can also ask Siri to watch a show on Apple TV. Um, and Siri gets an update with Apple TV, being able to be faster and have better results uh, in Apple TV as well. And you can also watch shows on TV with SharePlay with the Apple TV. And for all of you is a new feature in Apple TV which recommends shows for everyone uh, to watch not just one specific person so if you're with your mom and your uh, siblings and you all have different movie tastes Apple TV will be able to find uh, a movie that you'd all like to watch together so that you'd all enjoy the show while watching it together and you can also connect two HomePods to the Apple TV to get an immersed sound with the Apple TV. The Home app gets an update on Apple Watch and there's also package detection uh, from HomeKit which will be able to detect packages and alert you that a package has arrived at your door. And you'll be able to see multiple streams of camera feed on Apple TV as well um, which will be useful if you're setting up your Apple TV as like uh, being able to see your security cameras from there which is something pretty useful. So arguably, I think the biggest update out of all the updates that they announced at WWDC 2021 was macOS Monterey. So there are some features that came with iPad and iOS that will be coming to the Mac as well. Um, one big one that I saw in macOS Monterey was universal control. Any of you who've watched the event or has uh, listened to another video that uh, has talked about the event, you guys probably know about universal control. What this basically does is it uses the same keyboard and mouse on both Mac and iPad and also other Macs and seamlessly integrate that mouse and keyboard and go right through the displays from the iPad to your MacBook, to your iMac even, and be able to drag different files and type different things from each device on that specific keyboard, which is really cool. And this is one of the most impressive things that Apple has ever done with uh, their ecosystem just being able to drag your mouse is something that many other companies and uh, especially tech companies haven't done because Apple's ecosystem is so strong and so powerful which is why they can do features like these that a lot of people will find really useful airplay also comes to Mac um, and you can play and present from iPad and iPhones which will be really useful since Mac I MacBook displays and other Macs have been really good and uh, their displays can be utilized since they're so big uh, for presenting or just showing your friend a photo through the big screen. You can just do so with AirPlay, which is something we've been expecting. So I'm glad we're seeing it in macOS Monterey. So we're going to be seeing shortcuts coming to Mac. There was something similar. I wasn't sure what it was called, but Apple did have a more advanced version of shortcuts. But now they're going to bring the more simplistic version of shortcuts right to your Mac. Um, and you can run these specific shortcuts that you've made on your iPhone and iPad right on your Mac. And you can also create specific shortcuts on your Mac to do on your iPhone and iPad. And there's a new design to Safari which is not exclusive to Macs because uh, this is just a Safari redesign for all their devices, iPads, iPhones, Macs, 
all their devices are going to be seeing this new type of Safari layout, um, which is different. I'm not going to say that I'm a fan of it or that I hate it, but uh, Apple did update this and put tab groups inside um, this new Safari. So tab groups are going to allow you to stay clutter-free, and tab groups come to iPad and iPhone as well. And there's also going to be some app store updates as well, like multiple app product pages. If you want to show off uh, your app to different devices and not the same specific photos from uh, each device, you can show multiple photos from different devices from what people are looking at to basically optimize what you're showing off to people to different uh, for different pictures on your app product page. And there's also going to be in-app events that shows the latest events across different apps. And they're also integrating this feature through a widget uh, that will show you in-app events. And developer betas will be available now. Um, and you can also get public betas around July. And unfortunately, there were no new MacBook, no, no new MacBooks or any hardware launches at uh, WWDC 2021, which is something we were actually expecting. I, John Prosser did leak that we'd be seeing a 16-inch M1X Mac, um, which was not the case, and we did not see any hardware. I was really looking for some sort of hardware being launched at WWDC, but honestly, I think these software updates were enough to, uh, enough for us to handle in before the September event coming up shortly, which they'll be announcing some new products there as well. But overall, this update was, this event was a minor one, but something that was necessary to enhance all these uh, OSs, whether that be iOS, iPadOS, macOS, and we'd all be seeing these updates shortly in September when Apple launches the new iPhones, Apple Watches, iPads, as well. I do have a few other stories coming up uh, about many of the things that also happened this week. Um, so let's get right into it. All right, let's start things off with our first story. So Sony recently launched their new true wireless earbuds uh, called the Sony WF-1000 XM4s. And these earbuds pack a lot of features and great sound quality, great active noise canceling, in a reasonably priced earbuds, cheaper than their previous generation earbuds, but these are a lot more compact and they do have better noise canceling than the XM3s did have. So they start at approximately 41 grams um, and these earbuds do have a newly designed six millimeter, uh, custom designed six millimeter driver inside each earbud, which has exceptional sound quality and has overall balance and rich sound and the lows aren't too uh, thumping and they're not too heavy as the highs aren't uh, too squeaky and the sibilance isn't that bad so these are overall great sounding earbuds and earbuds I'd recommend listening to music uh, vocals or even just watching movies or videos these earbuds are going to sound fantastic. And the charge time for uh, 
each of these earbuds is 1.5 hours, which honestly isn't that bad considering that um, they do last around 8 hours with active noise cancelling turned on. And this, these uh, earbuds have Bluetooth 5.2, which is the latest Bluetooth and has many of the great connectivity functions that Bluetooth 5.2 has. And there is an ambient sound mode which has 20 levels of adjustment that you might need when you're uh, at the train station or if you're at home. You can just customize the ambient sound mode to your liking. As always, these charge with USB Type-C uh, to USB Type-A cable and they charge up pretty fast, around less than an hour, depends on which charging brick you're using. And these have this uh, Sony WH sub Sony WF one thousand XM fours do have the latest integrated processor, the V one. And what what's so special about the V one is that this specific processor does take advantage of um, the microphones and better processes these sounds and creates this anti-noise, which is great for active noise cancelling, as well as ambient sound as well. And this is just a more efficient process with the V1 compared to the previous generation processors, uh, the QN1 from the XM3s. And these do have solid microphones, not the best. They do not beat the AirPods level of microphones, but they do really improve over uh, the XM3s, for example, and there is this um, like a gold bronze looking circle right on the earbud of the design, uh, which basically is the microphone, and it is dual microphones on each earbud just to enhance the amount of sound it's picking up, uh, whether you're on phone calls or using ambient sound. And there's even a wind noise reduction mode in the app, which makes this really great for when you're running and it's quite windy and you don't want to hear that artificial wind sound that you get. These do have sort of a different kind of ear tips. Uh, they're not really silicon. They're more of a um, more of a foam kind of earbud tip. And Sony just calls this the noise isolation earbud tips. They're soft and elastic, and it really maximizes the surface contact area between the earbud tip and the ear canal, eliminating gaps to insulate sound and reduce noise. It also improves adhesion to the ear canal for a more stable fit while also feeling really comfortable. And this new 6mm driver unit has 20% increase in volume, and it gives you improved performance in low frequencies as well as just enhancing the noise cancelling by generating a high precision cancelling uh, signal to uh, the low frequency range. And there's many other features that Sony has had in their headphones like a 360 reality which is basically being able to hear different uh, if you're listening to a song you might want to hear the specific tracks and mixes for each instrument um, in specific apps like Tidal and Deezer and there's also something called DSEE Extreme which enhances the audio file you're listening to and makes it sound a lot better. 
and the Sony WF-1000XM4s do, um, do have LDAC as well, which is their high-resolution audio wireless codec. And this can only be used on Android phones, however. Uh, so on your iPhone, you can only be using um, AAC, which st still does sound pretty good for what you're paying for. There's many other features, like I said, but I don't want to get into too much of it. So let's move on to our next story. So, Facebook does plan to make their first smartwatch for the next summer, which is, I mean, something that I'm not surprised about because Facebook always wants more of our data, whether that be uh, more of who we are. You never know what they might be doing because they said they will probably be putting a lot of sensors and cameras on this watch, which I'm a little bit paranoid about whoever's getting this watch so this will be coming out next summer um and th these are just plans for facebook they're not it's not official that they're going to be releasing these this summer i mean next summer and this device will feature a display with two cameras that can be detached from the wrist for taking photos um, and videos that can be shared across facebook's suite of apps including instagram and a camera on the front of the watch display exists primarily for video calling, while a 1080p autofocus camera on the back can be used for capturing footage when detached from the stainless steel frame on the wrist. Facebook is tapping other companies to create accessories for attaching the camera hub to things like backpacks, according to two people familiar with the project, both whom requested anonymity to speak without Facebook's permission. So these are just kind of like leaks and rumors. These are not official from Facebook. It's just sources uh, from Facebook that they'd like to say. And the idea is to encourage owners of the watch to use it in ways that smartphones are used now. So you don't have to lug around your smartphone everywhere just to take photos. Or if you're running at the beach and you need to take something fast, you have your watch, which is just like looking into the smartwatch future, we can see a lot of potential uh, especially with the hardware that's recently coming out with these advanced sensors and uh, as Facebook is planning to do, even cameras. And the idea is, um, and the plan device is Facebook's first step at releasing hardware specifically for the wrist, which uh, I'm not too particularly excited to see, but I will be looking uh, for some reviews when these come out. And maybe Facebook can make a competitor to the Apple Watch because the Apple Watch has just been so ahead in the smartwatch game that there really isn't there really isn't any competition in the smartwatch category anymore because Apple has really dominated. And Facebook is working with the top wireless carriers in the US to support LTE connectivity in the watch, meaning it won't need to be paired with a phone to work, which is something that the Apple Watch really lacks with. And sell it in some of these carrier stores so people are more familiar with it. And in future versions of the watch, Facebook is planning for it to serve as a key input device for its planned augmented reality glasses, which Zuckerberg thinks will one day be as useful as smartphones. The company plans to use technology it acquired from CTRL Labs, a startup that has demonstrated armbands capable of controlling a computer through wrist movements. 
Facebook aims to release the first version of the watch in the summer of 2022, and is already working on second and third generations for subsequent years. Employees have recently discussed pricing the device at roughly $400, which is pretty expensive for a smartwatch, but the features they're packing in here are pretty compelling, uh, even if it risks your privacy, which I do not recommend people buying. Facebook's track record for making hardware is pretty spotty because they haven't been too consistent with uh, some of their like Facebook portal or um, even some of their older hardware hasn't just been as consistent as some other hardware-based tech companies. And I'm surprised Facebook has the interest in making a smartwatch. I'm not sure how many people will be interested in buying this since the Apple Watch is really dominating the smartwatch market right now. But who knows? Facebook might actually be able to make a compelling smartwatch to a lot of users, and I'd like to see how they do it. Alright, so the Loki TV series officially comes out, and it came out around a week ago around two weeks ago actually and comes out every Wednesday uh, and so far there's two episodes I've been watching it I really recommend this TV series especially if you are a Marvel fan uh, it really just um, brings a lot of things that you probably didn't have in mind to the MCU and I usually don't talk about movies but this one is a pretty good one and I'd recommend watching the Loki TV series Bitcoin will soon be an official currency in El Salvador, which is really surprising considering the fact that uh, Bitcoin is a really risky currency, but the move was championed by President Nayib Bukele, who says it's a way to help those who don't have access to banks and those who want to send money back to the country from abroad, but critics worry that it'll be more show than substantive change. The proposal was passed by El Salvador's Congress on Tuesday night after Bukele announced it at a Bitcoin conference in Miami last week. It wasn't a close call with 62 out of 84 legislators voting for it, but it's worth noting that Bukele has large amounts of political power in El Salvador and this was a big move for them and I know, I'm not sure how this is going to play, but Bitcoin as a currency is something that no other country has ever really done before. OnePlus Nord CE 5G officially comes out uh, which has a really compelling price point with great specs. So this has a 6.4 inch display with a 1080p by 2400 uh, display up to 410 pixels per inch and it has an aspect ratio of 20 by 9. Um, and this has a 90 hertz fluid AMOLED display uh, as well as the P3 display gamut, which has pretty accurate colors as well. And there's also many other uh, display features like ambient display, dark mode, reading mode. Um, and it is running Oxygen OS based on Android 11 with the 750G 5G mobile platform. And don't criticize the smartphone just based on the processor because you probably want to hear the price first. This process, uh, it also has the GPU Adreno 619 with either 6, 8, 12 gigs of LPDDR4X RAM. And you can also get it configured with 128 gigs or 256 gigs of UFS 2.1 storage with a 4500 mAh battery. This also has 30T plus fast charging, which isn't the fastest from OnePlus, but 
it's definitely enough to charge your phone pretty fast uh, for your needs. Also has a 64 megapixel sensor um, on the rear as well as an ultra wide camera which is 8 megapixels and a mono lens which is 2 megapixels of flash and um, it goes all the way up to 10 times zoom which is all digital um, and there's also 4k video at 30 fps 1080p video at 30 or 60 fps like i said this phone is going to be a surprising price um, which is i say is a mid-range killer um, because the price is pretty low for what it's worth and has decent specs considering that it's only 300 euros and you can also get a discount for 249 euros on OnePlus's website right now if you're buying soon. Tesla recently had their event and they did debut the Tesla Model S Plaid, the quickest production car ever made, quoted by Tesla. And they did hold their event recently and it's an effort for Elon Musk's company to reignite interest in its nearly decade-old electric sedan. And the event, which will be held at Tesla's factory, um, which actually did happen in Tesla's factory in Vermont, California, um, which was live-streamed for the public. Uh, if you didn't watch it already, they did launch this new car. And it's stuff we've already seen and heard before with that new steering wheel, the yoke steering wheel, um, faster speeds up to 200 miles per hour. Um, and they did not release the model as Plaid Plus unfortunately, but this car was already really fast and probably because their battery tech and the charging tech hasn't been so advanced and they probably had some issues with that battery tech, which is why they didn't release the Model S Plaid Plus. But this car is plenty fast enough for, um, for what it's worth and can go up to 60 miles per hour in 1.99 seconds, which is right under that two second mark, which I think is really fast. There's these new earbuds, again, called the Beats Studio Buds, and Beats has been a company that has really bass-heavy sound profile and at a really high price point um, in the past. And what they've been doing recently, because they've been acquired by Apple, is something that Beats have really never done, and they're really changing. Um, and these earbuds go for a price of $149, which is a full $100 less than the AirPods Pro, but still come with active noise cancelling, transparency mode, and quick pairing for iPhone and Android users, which is really surprising since Beats is an Apple-owned company. Beats says it has put an incredible amount of work into how the stu studio buds sound, and that's what they're supposed to exceed expectations for the price. But you don't get everything under that $150 price point. And some notable things that are missing are that wireless charging, um, and there's no H1 chip inside here, and the actual noise cancelling is a little bit poor and disappointing. And the Studio Buds have a small light stemless design that loses the ear hooks of the Powerbeats Pro. They look downright miniature in comparison to those and have a smaller charging case as well. And the weight difference is also substantial. Each of the Studio Buds is 5.1 grams, which is far more comfortable on your ears compared to that 20 gram Powerbeats Pro. 
They're also slightly lighter than the AirPods Pro, Samsung Galaxy, Buzz Pro, Anchor Soundcore Liberty Air 2 Pro, Jarvis Elite 85T and 75T, which is almost the whole market. So having these light earbuds is really compelling when working out and you don't want something so heavy in your ears. Beats leaned on learnings from its prior earbuds and those from Apple's as it worked on this design. It also went through some pr prototyping with consumers to land on the final form factor. The outward facing side is con contoured around a diagonal pill-shaped B button and this also uh, is not pressure sensitive. It's actually an actual button that will trigger if you press it hard enough. So it's not one of those touch sensors that are on most earbuds that you're used to. And that might be a good or bad thing, but um, buttons usually don't have any accidental accidental pr presses, which is something that um, you, you probably want in exercise headphones. But I think what Beats is doing here is not just marketing this for people who are in fitness or are always working out. These are really towards the mainstream audience of people and are going to compel to a lot of people, not just the workout people, but the everyday people. The people who want earbuds to listen to music to when they're uh, laying in bed or watching a video when um, they're sitting down, not just exercising. And the Studio Buds, like I said, are at a really compelling price point at $149 um, and can really compete with many of the earbuds in the market right now. The mics are not the best. The transparency mode is fine. You can still hear your surroundings, but it does not sound crystal clear like the AirPods Pro. But what you're getting here is a solid package and something that you can really rely on even if you're on an Android device. You can use this for iPhone quick pairing and also um, Android's quick pairing as well and has Find My for uh, iPhone and Find My devices for Android phones, which is really impressive and one of the first earbuds to even do one of these things. Um, it's an interesting way of where Beats is going with these earbuds, but I'm really liking it and hoping that Beats does more of these kind of products in the future because it's pretty amazing um and i said in, um, in the beginning that these earbuds have really just been focusing on the sound and the sound quality of music and well i gotta say that these earbuds uh do sound a lot better than their old headphones in the past because of they're more tuned for accuracy i guess but these earbuds do not sound the most accurate, especially compared to uh, like the Sony WF-1000XM4s or the AirPods Pro. They sound great, but do they sound the most accurate? No, they don't. But like I said, these are a really compelling option, whether you're going for, whether you have an iPhone or an Android phone, these earbuds are going to be great, whether you have either of those phones and those operating systems because of that compatibility uh, with the operating systems. And I would re really recommend getting these earbuds if you're looking for in decently affordable priced earbuds as well as ones that do have active noise cancelling, transparency mode, and decent sound quality. Razer recently launched their Blade 14 which is the Blade laptop with AMD Ryzen processors. 
And after months of rumors and speculation, they did finally come out. Um, but it is at a price of seventeen ninety nine. And this does have the Ryzen nine fifty nine hundred HX, which is different because many of other gaming laptops with AMD processors do have weaker processors, and this is one of the strongest, most capable processors in a gaming laptop with an AMD processor because of um, this 5900HX. The 14-inch gaming rig will also feature up to an NVIDIA RTX 3080 GPU and a Quad HD 165Hz display as well as a 144Hz option with the Full HD option. Razer says the Blade will be the smallest 14-inch gaming laptop on the market with incredible specs, uh, the 3080 GPU and the 5900HX, which is a amazing CPU, mobile CPU, as well as amazing mobile GPU that both go hand-in-hand -hand together and perform amazingly. As gamers demand lighter and more powerful form factors in the more, in, uh, in the more recent past few months and the past few years actually um, gamers have really been uh, looking for lighter laptops and this is the laptop that many gamers should get if they're looking for a light and portable machine but still really capable of um, playing games on and Razer's Intel systems have consistently ranked among um, top picks for many reviewers that you can still buy. It's Blade 15 Advanced delivers delivers excellent frame rates while remaining comparable in size to a number of 15-inch productivity machines. And it's Blade Stealth 13 is one of the very few 13-inch gaming laptops that can still run uh, AAA titles at native resolution, which is really impressive for a laptop. So if you're looking for a really solid and capable machine while still being really portable, then the Razer Blade 14 is probably the option to get. So I don't know if you guys have heard recently, but Windows 11 has kind of leaked to the public and then Microsoft themselves kind of confirmed that Windows 11 will be uh, coming to PCs soon. Which is quite surprising because when they did announce Windows 10, they did say it was the last Windows that you'll ever ever need, which is quite surprising, but Windows 11 is almost around the corner and about to be officially announced. Um, and there are some leaked versions of Windows 11 that you can still find today on um, many sites, like the Chinese site Baidu, who, which does show some of these leaked versions of this OS. And the new Windows 11 user interface and start menu look very similar to what was originally found in Windows 10X. Microsoft had been in simplifying Windows for dual screen devices, also tablets that run Windows as well, um, which is going to just enhance the experience overall, visually and also the performance of these machines. And Windows 11 has a pretty big visual overhaul, and Microsoft has centered the app icons here and cleaned up the tray area and included a new smart button uh, menu. 
This updated smart menu is a simplified version of what currently exists in Windows 10. Without live tiles, of course. But it includes pinned apps, recent files, and the ability to quickly shut down or restart Windows 11 devices. It's really a lot more simplified than what exists in Windows 10 today. But if you don't want the app icons and start menu centered, then there's an option to move them back to left-hand side as well. And coupled with the dark mode that's also available, and Windows 11 starts to look like a more refined version of Windows 10 than something dramatically new, something like Windows 10S. Microsoft is also using rounded corners throughout Windows 11, which kind of reminds me of Mac OS. Big Sur. And these are visible visible in context menus um, and around apps and even File Explorer. The Start menu itself also includes rounded corners and this is still an early version of Windows 11 that has leaked so not everything is included yet and not everything is official. And I'm really expecting to see more changes to be built in apps within Windows 11. So hopefully Microsoft does change a few things before the actual launch of Windows 11. But there are a few big changes in Windows 11 and hopefully Microsoft is able to make these softwares uh, more mainstream to everybody and have this accessible to everyone to update. Alright, so I don't know if you guys have heard of Realme, but they're, they are a smartphone company and do make some really good affordable smartphones and the Realme GT 5G is no different because it is one of their more, more recent phones that do provide great specifications and this has a, a dual sim uh, card slot with a super AMOLED 120Hz display 1080 by 2400 pixels 20 by 9 aspect ratio similar to the OnePlus Nord um, CE 5G this is running Realme UI 2.0, which is a skin over Android 11 with the Qualcomm Snapdragon 888 5G processor. Wait a second. This has the, the Snapdragon 888 processor in here. And this is a considered budget-friendly phone, which is quite impressive, especially since their price point is so low, which we'll get in a second. And it does have uh, the Adreno 6. 60, which is the latest graphics card for um, Qualcomm right now. This also has the 128 uh, gig, 8 gigs RAM option, or 256 gigs with 12 gigs RAM option, um, which has the UFS 3.1 storage configuration. And it does have a 64 megapixel, 64 megapixel sensor for the wide angle lens, a 8 megapixel sensor for ultra wide, 2 megapixel for macro. It's sounding a lot like the OnePlus Nord CE 5G, honestly. I never thought about it like that, but this is really impressive, especially since the processor is so high-end. Cameras are not going to be the highest performance you'll see because um, I think this is more focused on the performance of the phone and being able to game on here and do intensive tasks is the main purpose and the focus for Realme on this phone. This does have stereo speakers with uh, a headphone jack as well. This does have Bluetooth 5.2 and Wi-Fi, the latest Wi-Fi, 6E. This has NFC and it has USB Type-C um, like we've been seeing in most Android phones. It does have a fingerprint 
uh, sensor right under the display. And bezels are really minimalized and look really similar to some of the high-end phones that have that hole punch in the higher left-hand corner with the nice AMOLED display. And this phone is coming at a price of $500. That's a sub $500 phone with the Snapdragon 888 with a 64 megapixel camera and a 120 hertz display. Phones these days are really just getting cheaper and cheaper and the cheaper phones are getting better and the more expensive phones are just staying the same honestly because these more budget oriented phones are really starting to get really good and I mean this option is a really compelling option for someone who doesn't really need to take a lot of photos but really wants the great performance that this phone offers which is quite incredible. So that is the phone to get if you are really looking for a high-end performance gaming phone but uh, you don't really need that performance of the camera. Recently the Honor 15 Pro will um, soon be an, uh, announced or uh, did already announce I'm not sure but this phone is also going to be coming soon um, which is going to be really exciting and probably going to be talking more about it in the next episode. Alright, let's talk about our last story before we end this episode because it is getting pretty long. Um, and this is about OnePlus that further integrates with Oppo, um, if that's even really possible because they're already under the same parent company. So OnePlus CEO Pete Lau has announced a new journey for the company, including a plan to further integrate um, their organization with Oppo. And Lau made the announcement by way of a post on OnePlus forums saying, we're a, at a turning point for the future of OnePlus and we must adapt as a team and a brand. It sounds like a dramatic move for OnePlus. The company Lau uh, started with Carl Pei after really just leaving Oppo in 2013. OnePlus made its name with a rebellious marketing and hype-driven online retail strategies, portraying itself as a smarter alternative to a bigger smartphone brand. But it remained a private company with ownership tied up in Oppo and the shadowy BBK Electronics Empire. And it was clear from OnePlus's smartphones that there was still at least some ties to Oppo. Components like display panels were often seemingly identical and even supposedly proprietary technology like the dash fast charging system was cross compatible with Oppo's. But I think OnePlus really had huge amounts of success compared to Oppo because of their marketing and being able to go mainstream and international compared to Oppo. OnePlus and Oppo are two completely independent companies um, according to a OnePlus representative that they said three years ago by way of explanation. R&D, finance, sales channels, daily operations, etc. operate independently according to them. The two parties share some common investors and OnePlus teases Oppo's manufacturing line and shares part of the supply chain resource with Oppo. Lau says that OnePlus will continue to um, operate independently despite the further integration with Oppo, but he hasn't said exactly what would be integrated and given the existing commonalities between the two brands' products, it's not obvious what this will actually mean for consumers. Lau says OnePlus will continue to operate its own events and customer feedback channels. For example, 
um, but adds to that Oppo's greater resources should help OnePlus be more efficient with software updates. And it's not a big secret that OnePlus and Oppo have been coming closer to an expli explicit uh, reunion in recent years. Lau became Oppo's chief product officer last year while keeping his role at OnePlus, which is just giving us hints that those two brands will soon be merged re more um, soon. And more recently, OnePlus announced that it'd start using Oppo's Color OS for its phones in China. I honestly really liked Oxygen OS, and I mean... Color OS isn't anything too special, honestly. It wasn't as good as Oxygen OS, so I'm not sure why they're switching to Color OS. But OnePlus was a great brand, and they're still going to be alive. But it's just they're going to be here in a different way, right under Oppo. And they're going to be using Oppo's name, and Oppo is going to be the dominant company um, over OnePlus, which I really think should be the other way around because OnePlus's success really has propelled them forward, um, really, uh, uh, compared to Oppo. But this was an interesting story and one that I found particularly surprising because of the success that OnePlus was having compared to Oppo. But that's all I have for this episode, episode 74 of the Truth Act Podcast. If you listen all the way to um, here, well, congratulations and thank you for listening all the way. Uh, but don't forget, check out the merch, merch.streamelements.com slash Man, where you can find the latest True Tech merch that will help support the show and help me keep making these episodes uh, for you guys. Thanks again for listening to this episode, and I'll catch you in episode 75. Peace.